Dude, it's so hard to comment <laughs> on, on the conversation that we've had. I've listened to this fucking conversation like 20 times already. Yeah. And I'm still like, okay, but, you know, how is this going to end? How is this going to turn out? <laughs> is it okay this time? <laughs> is it less awkward this time? This is Two Watermelons in a Sack a podcast exploring the lived experience of men and the parts of it we rarely talk about. We're going to try to expand the norms of what we can be truthful about. And we're going to do this with as much vulnerability as we can stand. The friendship that Eric and I have is by all conventional standards, unlikely. Um, He is one of my ex-wives, closest friends. And so it'd be pretty safe to assume that when uh, the marriage ended, my friendship with Eric would have ended too. But what's also true is that uh, if it weren't for my ex-wife, you and I probably wouldn't be friends. She was actually the one that introduced us. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we might not have connected in the way that we that we did. But what is relevant to this episode is that he is the one person in the world that is privy to both sides of the story. And I guess I've always wondered how has that affected the way that he sees me? Does he feel about me the same way that I feel about myself when I think about all the ways in which I fucked up? So I've I really wanted to know what Eric really thought of me as a person. Yeah. So what you're going to hear is the conversation that me and Jason had about, about that thing in the back of his head all these years as we've been getting to know each other. And he's thinking, this dude knows all this shit about me and my ex-wife is his best friend and by the normal friend code or whatever like we're not even supposed to be friends what is what does he think about me like really and we're gonna do something else too just to make it hard for ourselves we're gonna do a commentary track on top of that conversation where we look under the hood of our friendship and see what this conversation has to say about that too it's tricky we're not sure if it's gonna work And if it doesn't, I'm sure y'all will let us know, but we're going to give it a try anyway. All right, so let's go. We've had many conversations about uh, my experience of of marriage Mm -hmm. and divorce. and, And there was just something that I noticed in these conversations where when I shared with you the reasons why I acted in a certain way, mm-hmm. the response that I often got from you was, you just kind of smile and, and nod. And I always was kind of left wondering if what you were feeling in those moments was, um, I don't know if pity is the right word, but almost like you were, you were conveying to me, I know that was probably hard for you. You still fucked up. It's, well, 
Maybe, were, but probably with that. that You're telling me about a secret thought. You're telling me about something that I do that you have a certain specific response to. Um, and under normal circumstances, this isn't something that I would ever know. Right? I'm just doing something. Right. I have a, you know, my own quirks and my own mannerisms. And uh, they, they, they push some sort of button for you or they trip some, some switch. And then I'm explaining to you what I really meant and telling you whether or not you actually had the appropriate response or whether your response was grounded in, in fact. And so that's like a, a, a moment in a, a friendship that moves it from one place to another. Yeah. That is only allowed to happen if we trust each other, you know. When you do this, it makes what? me feel that is, you know, it's already like a, a certain um, stage. It is. It is. And there are a lot of ex- examples in my life where that type of conversation has gone terribly wrong. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, there's also huge propensity for people like not believing the explanation or feeling like the explanation was lacking something. Yeah. And I think that part of what makes that moment so easy to navigate is because I know you are going to tell me the truth. Yeah. And so all I need to do is find the words to tell you exactly how I'm feeling and what I'm making up about it. And I know in that moment, because of who you are, that you're just going to give it to me straight. Yeah. Now, whether I'm going to be happy with your answer or not is a different matter entirely, right? Yeah. I've learned not to judge people or learned how not to judge people. It's because I've done fucked up things to people too. (laughs) You know, I've hurt people that I care about as well. And so it's, it's it's a smile and nod of... Yeah, I know. It sucks to like realize that you did something terrible to somebody because I know what that feels like. <laughs> you know, it's in sympathy more than it's in like pity. Can I just say one, one other thing about as much as I trust you and I trust our ability to have that conversation, um, that moment is really, is not easy for me. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, not necessarily because I fear your reaction to what I'm about to say, mm-hmm. but it's, it's how I'm going to feel about myself mm. after I say it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, in this conversation, I'm, I'm that guy. Right. So... It's, it's hard because I know I'm going to have to remember that conversation, or in this case, I'm going to have to listen to it a thousand times. <laughs> and I'm going to have to be reminded of how raw that moment and those many moments in the past that I'm referring to I mean, were. There's probably yeah. been times where it has been, yeah, you fucked up too. Those two things aren't necessarily different things either. You know, it could be like, yeah, I've been there and it was fucked up and I understand how fucked up it is because I did it too or something like it. And so I lived through the consequences of it, you know. Um, yeah. But, you know, sometimes there is just anything to say because it just is what it is. So there's no discussion to be had necessarily. 
you know, I, I appreciate you saying that. The moments where I can feel that, that tenderness towards her and towards us are really meaningful to me because I've experienced so much shame and remorse mm-hmm. for the ways that I, I hurt her and, and the ways I hurt myself mm-hmm. during, that, during, during that time. And um, my experience of that has been so acute that some like I need I need to remind myself in some moments that um, I'm not a terrible person. <laughs> yeah. Even to this day, like I, I'm like I, more than anything else, I do feel just like this incredible gratitude that I even have moments where I look back at my ex-wife, who I have no relationship with, and I. And I'm like, that's a, that's a beautiful person. And I'm, I'm grateful for what we had. And I'm grateful to be, to have the life that I have now and mm-hmm. feel, and feel whole, even in spite of everything. Um, but I, I like, I have to remind myself like, okay, you, yes, you did those things. Yes, this is part of what you carry and you don't, suck as a person yeah and so it's hard it has been hard and i think particularly with you at times to um not to believe that you don't also have to self-talk your way into thinking i guess i project that same inner dialogue yeah on you and specifically on you because because you know, I don't project that on really many other people. I mean, I can't really think of anybody else. I project that on because they don't. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, the work of thinking of you as a good person, it's much easier for me than it is for you. You know, (laughs) (laughs) that's probably my favorite moment of the the episode. It's like the most, the most reaffirming, most redeeming moment of the entire, <laughs> of the entire conversation. <laughs> but Eric, I actually am, I am curious if, if you feel the same sometimes. What do you mean? Like if you project your own inner dialogue with yourself. Mm-hmm. On others, like then I don't, I don't you mean, know. My own you, judgments you, of myself onto others, right? Oh exactly. yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I think everybody does that. I mean, that's that's one of the central struggles of life is to um, learn to differentiate between what we think of ourselves and what other people <laughs> probably think of us. I guess the the difference, though, mm-hmm. is that generally speaking, people don't know us, right? Right. Like right. Like we, we, yes, we project it, but we project it to a, to a degree that is kind of, um, yeah, it's unfounded. It's unrealistic. Yeah. It's unfounded. It's kind of nebulous. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder if, yeah, but, but in this case, um, 
Like there's no secrets. Yeah, well, information is known. Information is known. Um, but, you know, as it, as it comes up later in the conversation, um, all the information is never known. Yeah. When you were talking earlier about uh, the relationship between knowing stuff about people and making judgments about them, uh, I was thinking. I was thinking about the things that people assume that I know about people, or that are revealed to me about people, um, because I've photographed people having sex. People assume that. I have a lot more access to their intimate lives than I actually do. And one of the things that is really interesting to me in having had that experience of, of making photographs like that is how much intimacy remains uh, inaccessible to me in spite of the fact that I'm in close physical proximity to their sexual interactions. Like there's still a bubble of intimacy that I'm not privy to, even though I might only be two or three feet away. There, there are conversations that people have with each other. There are exchanges that people have. There are things that they share in there that um, I'm completely outside of. And because I know that, I've had the experience of that in a way that other people haven't, I know that I haven't come close to seeing everything just because I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. But there's a lot more there, you know. It's a really valuable experience for me to have had that kind of proximity to people's intimacy so that I can see the gulf between having relatively a lot of information and having all the information. It makes me much less prone to judgment because I've had that experience. It puts the judgment off because it doesn't matter if I know a lot. There's still tons I don't know. And so I'm in no position to make any kind of judgment because I don't have anything close to all of the information. So when it comes to like having information about stuff that you've done or aspects of your of your marriage that other people may not have as much information as I do, there's still tons of stuff I have no idea about, you know, and I'm very, very aware that that's true. There's a part of me that feels like asking a friend what do you really think of me? Feels a little pathetic. You know, like, I can imagine even myself feeling like, dude, like, you sleep in my house every time you come to New York. Like, we, we're doing a podcast together. We do men's retreats together. Like, we've slept in the same bed. Like, what more evidence do you want to know that I think you're fundamentally a worthwhile human being? And so 
I yeah, but I, I get the question. Like, I'll, you know, I'll push back against that a little bit. It's it's not pathetic. It's just curiosity. Like, everybody wants to know that. We call it pathetic because it's one of those things that's coded as being weak or as not being emotionally self-sufficient or whatever. But it's a universal question. Like, I defy anybody to really, in their honesty, say that they don't think the same thing about the people that are close to them. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, we don't do it because it's weird and awkward and uncomfortable and compromising and all that business, but it's everybody wants to know what other people think of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things that's, that's, that's also true is that it's a mark of a certain amount of intimacy or a certain strength of relationship to even know that you can ask and it's going to be okay. You know, this is my second favorite <laughs> part of the conversation. Is, the, answer, the answer is actually the fact that you can ask and it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. this, this whole conversation is really, is exactly mm-hmm. that. Like it's, what I take away or I took away from it was not everything that you said. Like I'm, I'm, I know what you said now because we've, we've kind of been working on the episode and whatnot, but it was really what I took away is I asked, I put myself out there and it was okay. Um, I cringed, but I didn't cringe as much (laughs) as I thought I would. It was hard. It wasn't as hard as I thought it would. And I got kindness. And that's, that's really what emboldens me to be able to have another awkward-ass conversation with someone that I care about when it matters. I can't recall having a conversation quite like this with another male friend. Like I've, I've, I've told other male friends what I see in them, what I appreciate about them, but I don't think I've ever asked them, you know, what do you, what do you think of me? You know, it's a vulnerable thing to be asked, and it requires a lot of trust on my part of you to, you know, to be sure that it's not going to go sideways and it's not going to, that whatever I say or may, feelings I may express are going to be received and held, you know, in a way that's, that's not destructive, you know. Um, as the asker you're the one who's putting me on the spot you know mm-hmm. and so yeah I just I just say that to to, to make make it clear that that it isn't just a, a one way trust or one way 
um, exchange of comfort, you know. I kind of, I kind of like that version. Like, the, I like that version of this, of this. Like, I put you on the spot, and you performed moderately well. <laughs> like, I was satisfied with your, with your performance. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of glad this episode is over. We do this for fun, but it's not always fun. But just because it's not fun doesn't mean it's not funny. My name is Eric. His name is Jason. Amy Loader produces the hell out of this show. The music was created by The Essay Question, which includes Salman Aboudiat and myself, with additional music by It's Just Mikey. And our beautiful logo and website were designed by Nicole Correa. We are two watermelons in a sack, and we love you. Catch y'all next time.